This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this Friday edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, we uh, have been getting used to this pattern of doing uh, podcasts after a pair of games. Only one game this time, but... It was a good one as the Blackhawks beat the Vegas Golden Knights. They've now gotten points, I believe, in four consecutive games. That's correct. And have honestly been uh, they've been looking a little bit better lately. And while I'm going to uh, try to temper my optimism a little bit with the knowledge that we've kind of seen these fits and starts before to their offense, I'm going to turn the floor over to you and see if you uh, are a little bit more uh, big time optimistic than I am. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm big time optimistic. I am confident that um – the way the Blackhawks are playing now is how they will play, uh, at least stylistically, is how they'll play the rest of the year. I have reason to believe that, that I will share in the second part of the show. I had a long conversation with an unimpeachable source about many, many topics in Blackhawks land that I've been holding on to for the Madhouse podcast audience. So we'll get to that in the second segment. We don't do this enough, James. we got to tell people where to find us. Follow the show on Twitter at MadhousePod. You can follow me on Twitter at jayzawaski 670 James is at at JamesNeveau, N-E-V-E-A-U. Make sure you rate and review and subscribe to the Madhouse Podcast. We're available everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever you find your podcasts, we are there. So follow us, rate us, review us. Five stars, of course. We don't want your bad reviews. That doesn't help. Not at all. But anyway, let's get into the Vegas game and then get into Adam Boquist uh, being sent down to Rockford. And then uh, second segment, we'll dive into some of the stuff I learned earlier this week. Um, I do think that what we saw in Vegas is probably more indicative of how the Hawks are going to look this year. They're playing a more attacking style. They're activating their defense more. 
they're taking more chances and and this has happened since the Vancouver game and it's look I think we said all along while we were complaining about the way things were going and justifiably so if you're gonna lose at least compete and while the Hawks beat Vegas five to three they could have easily lost that game six four you know I think that's how games are gonna look that's how it was last year the Hawks would just try to outscore the opponent Um, this year now with two really good goalies and an upgraded defense, maybe they'll be able to do that more often than they were last year, and that's kind of the hope here. You mean you're telling me that the Blackhawks' style of play is better suited to when they have guys like Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard in net than Anton Forsberg or, uh, why am I blank, Colin Delia? Like, you're telling me that that actually works? Yes, having all-star caliber goalies is good. blown. I know. You learn something new every day on the Madhouse podcast, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's pretty uh, good way of saying it, I think, is that this attacking style that they're playing, yeah, they're going to give up some odd man chances. But you know what? They were giving up those chances even under the old style, too. Like, it wasn't like they were, like, some defensively, like, sound team when they had the other uh, system in place. But what the switches that they've made, and obviously, like you said, we're going to talk more specifically about the X's and O's of those switches later. But it definitely has opened things up for their key players, their Patrick Canes, their Jonathan Taves, their Dylan Strums. I mean, and all you have to do is look at what these guys have done in their last five or six games. Patrick Kane, his last six games, has six goals and seven assists. You had Dylan Strom had three assists the other night, then had a goal and two assists against Vegas. You had Alex DeBrinkett with a pair of assists in that game. Like, it's just, it's up and down the lineup with your big guns are actually starting to produce again. And while we should give Jeremy Colladin some credit for switching back to this and give the players some credit for executing it, my question is, why on earth didn't you do this sooner? Like, where was the urgency when this team was clearly in the doldrums and clearly wasn't buying into the system why wasn't this switch made sooner well I think part of it was Jeremy Cowan was so hell-bent on improving this team's defense that he thought that was the best way to do it and it was clearly not working like you said you're playing this conservative style but you're still giving up 50 shots to terrible teams and you never have the puck that like look if you're going to try to win every game two to one that's an approach you do with a good defense, with a stacked defense. You don't have that. They've really never had that except for the Cup era teams. There's nothing on there's nothing about this team or last year's team that would suggest to Jeremy Cowan or anyone with a functioning brain that yes, the process the, the style we should play is passive sit back, dump and chase and hope to, you know, eke out a win. No. Their only chance to be competitive is to try to outscore and try to use the offensive talent they have to win games. That's what they have. That's what they're, if you want it, what is the strength of the Blackhawks, right? Early in the season, we talked about identity. What is this team's identity? The team's identity is they've got a really good core of forwards. Taves, Kane, Debrinkit, Strom, Kirby Dock is stepping up. Brandon Saad is there. Andrew Shaw is coming off a career year. You've got guys who know how to put the puck in the net or help other people put the puck in the net, and you are not utilizing their abilities for far too long into the season. And that's why all of a sudden in Vancouver, when they, what Jeremy Cowan says is, oh, we just let our uh, our weak side winger cheat up a little bit. No, that's not really all you did. Not at all. Um, but <laughs> but that's how Jeremy Cowan is sort of saying, like, oh, yeah, we made it a little, a little tweak here and there, and, and that's the difference. 
obviously not the case. They're playing totally, totally different, and you could see in the faces of the players that they're happy, that they're almost like relieved that they're finally being allowed to play their game. We played that Duncan Keith audio where he talked about how Quenville let them create and read and react and how Cowlton didn't. Well, now they're being allowed to do that again, and they've gotten results for it. Yeah, I mean, when when were we really critical of Joel Quenville? It was when he was trying to put players that didn't they weren't like thriving in his particular system. And he continued to try to force them into those positions because it was his system. When Joel Quenville was when he thrived and when he obviously thrived for the most part in Chicago was when he kind of adapted that system a little bit to fit the different skill sets of the players that he had. Right. Jeremy Colleton was trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Jeremy Colleton just continued to try to force a roster that wasn't built to be a defense first roster and tried to make it play that way. And it just wasn't working And the hallmark of a good coach. And we've seen this throughout the sports world. We're kind of seeing it with the bears right now is that you have to tailor your system to the players that you have. That is the hallmark of a good coach. And I'm not saying that Jeremy Colleton is all of a sudden like some kind of X's and O's genius and that he's, you know, kind of figured out the magic formula. But at the same time, you have to give him credit for recognizing what worked and what Mm -hmm. didn't and what works with this team is a transition based game where you move the puck up the ice quickly and yes you're going to get into track meets like you did against Vegas against Toronto in games like that you're going to have games like that and it's not going to be the prettiest defensive hockey that you've ever seen but it also gives you your best chance to win and you have the goaltending to back it up right now which you did not have last season and so I think that the ultimate the difference here the ultimate key to why this could be successful is that they not only have the horses in the forward department to pull this off including by the way Kirby Doc even though he's not the fleetest of foot guy he still has a place in all this is that they're having strong goaltending from Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard and honestly I think that might be something they can bank on for the remainder of the season Yes, that's correct. And and something you mentioned about Cal and I want to get to, but first got to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, for all your corporate outfitting needs, give Chris a call, 708-478-6090, triplethreatsports.com, or chris at triplethreatsports.com. If you can wear it, Triple Threat Sports can make it. Go visit them out in Mokina, or check out the website, triplethreatsports.com. You said it, square peg, round hole, right? That was part of the criticism with Quenville. And it's what Cowton had been doing up until November 7th of this season. What we praised Cowton for last year was the fact that he was using guys correctly. The fact that instead of damning Eric Gustafson to the bottom pair like Joel Quenville did because he didn't like him, he used him on the power play. He got the most out of his abilities. And all of a sudden, I don't know why. Look, you were on a 100-point pace last year when the new year happened. Why would you change that? Especially when you've upgraded your goaltending, your defense. You've the, Actually, the whole team was upgraded. Why would you divert from that system? It just made zero sense to me. And I'm glad that finally he's made the change and he's made the adjustment. And, and I do believe it will be permanent. But you just hope it's not too late. You know, this, this Western Conference is not as strong as it was. And there's there's opportunities to win playoff spots here, but you can't just like these games that they were just non-competitive in. It's again, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to not compete. And hopefully 
those days are behind the 2019-20 Blackhawks, where they're just not even competing anymore. Yeah, and I mean, right now, if you look at the standings, they're three points ahead of the Wild and the Kings, who, by the way, I think are pretty unequivocally the two worst teams in the conference. Like, they're both very bad this season. They're only four points out of that second playoff spot, and I know it's really early in the season, but I think we've all seen the stats that where you're at on Thanksgiving is generally a good indicator of where you're going to end up. Like, yeah, it's kind of a smallish sample size, but by that point, the Blackhawks are going to play, what, 22, 23 games? That's a pretty good indication of at least somewhat what kind of team you are. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they made this change now, I think, is good. If they had waited too much longer, we could have been looking at a really big uphill climb, and it's not that far into the season. Putting yourself in that big of a hole early is never a good idea, but I think the Blackhawks maybe – uh, pulled out of this skid, so to speak, before you know they impacted the wall. So hopefully they can start to climb up the board a little bit, and they can start kind of climbing above some of these teams that are ahead of them, like your Anaheim's and your Dallas's. Well, I hope you're right because they've got, even though they're playing better and more competitively, the schedule coming up is tough. You've got Nashville Saturday, Buffalo Sunday, Carolina Tuesday, Tampa Thursday, then two against Dallas and two against Colorado. For the last week of the month, this is kind of like a make or break. This is a t- like, look, you've got one, two, you got five divisional games here against teams you're behind. Mm-hmm. If you can win three of those, four of those, which is a tall task, there's no doubt about it. But if they truly want to get back in the race, this is the time to do it. Do it now. Jump on these teams now. Take advantage of the way you're playing right now. And look, Connor Murphy is coming back right in time. He is, for better or worse, their their best defensive defenseman. And I know that's not an ideal situation for a Stanley Cup contender, but it's the reality for the Blackhawks. He's their best defender. He's back as the schedule's about to get hot and heavy, and hopefully he is as close to 100% as he'll be because they need him. And yeah. we'll get into Adam Bogus being sent down because of it, but Connor Murphy coming back is an absolutely good thing and the Blackhawks are better now than they were two days ago. Yeah, and I mean, you've also got guys who are starting to play some of their best hockey of the season, too, that Connor Murphy is joining in with. Obviously, Eric Gustafson has looked like he's been reborn in the you know, new old system. He's looked a lot more effective offensively. His possession numbers are, you know, still kind of fluctuating a little bit, but I think that overall his offensive game at least is stabilized. You're never going to get great defense out of him, but you can take what you can get. And then another another guy I wanted to kind of shout out, especially after his performance on Wednesday, was Calvin DeHaan, who had just an abysmally bad defensive play on the Vegas, uh, the first Vegas goal, the power play goal, where he completely vacated his side of the ice and just left a wide open skating lane. That's not the kind of play you want to see a guy like Calvin Hahn make, but he ended up responding later in the game with a couple of really good defensive plays and then had a really nice goal from between the dots. I did not realize he's got kind of a sneaky good shot from that spot on the ice. Yeah. And he's been one of those guys that like when they acquired him, I was, you know, I was one of many, I'm sure who were like, why couldn't you have gotten Justin Falk? Why'd you have to go for that guy? And it turns out that he's actually had a pretty solid start to his Blackhawks career and adding Connor Murphy to this mix. I have to say their defense is better than it was last season, even though they've had to switch back to this old scheme that kind of takes some of the onus off of that defensive unit. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And let's take a look at the pairs today. Uh, before Murphy got hurt, he had spent almost all of his time on the ice with Duncan Keith. But the way it lined up in practice on Friday, it was Keith and Gustafson. 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 It's hard to say. Calvin Gustafson. <laughs> Gustafson. Uh, Dehan and Seabrook. And then they had Mata with Murphy and Cuckoo sort of rotating in and out. Um, I can't believe they sent Bulkwist down and don't plan on playing Murphy on Saturday. I wonder if they'll do, like, Murphy Saturday against a divisional team, and if they don't want to play him in back-to-backs yet, sit him against Buffalo. Yeah, that I might the same thought. That might make some sense. But um, So he's not going to start on a top pair right away, but look, he's back, and it's a good thing. And and I do think DeHaan deserves a little bit of praise, too. 74 games since he had scored a goal, and um, you saw earlier, before he scored the goal, he had a great opportunity to take a shot and didn't. <laughs> and I'm like, that must be the gun-shy, I haven't scored in 74 games sort of a thing. Doesn't hold back Duncan Keith from shooting, but it holds <laughs> back Calvin DeHaan from shooting, and you could see the hesitance in the shot. But then that feed, by the way, Zach Smith had a really solid game against Vegas. That setup on the DeHaan goal was really nice. And, um, you know, you're starting to see him finally, for the first time all year, show why he was brought in and what he can do. So, um, you know, I don't want him playing in favor of a kid like Nylander or Doc or somebody like that. But if he's going to be on, the, you know, the bottom line contributing a little bit, that's fine, too. So I don't know. It's just been better lately. And, and it's not ideal to give up 50 shots on goal a night or 40 shots on goal a night. But I think they've done a better job. I know for a fact they've done a better job at controlling the high danger chances against. And that's what really matters. Teams can get their perimeter shots You've got good enough goalies to stop those. Those high-danger chances, if you're minimizing those, they're going to be in better shape, and they've been doing that lately. They still give up a lot because they're not a great defensive team, but they've been cut back a lot in recent games. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's about shot quality, not necessarily shot quantity. I mean, that really is what it boils down to. The high-danger shots against the Leafs, they just were not that many. The Vegas game, I thought Vegas did have some really good opportunities in the first period of the game, especially. But as that game wore on, I thought the Blackhawks started doing a better job of kind of keeping them to the perimeter of the ice and not getting as many good looks at the net. And it was making it a lot easier for uh, Corey Crawford to see the puck and to make some saves. And Corey, again, Mm -hmm. in that game. Yep. I don't think we can say enough about the goaltending the Blackhawks have gotten from Robin Leonard and now from Corey Crawford, who in the last few games that he's played has really locked in. And I know the Blackhawks have been kind of trying to take it a little bit slow with Robin Leonard after he took, I believe it was a shot off the collarbone on Sunday against Toronto. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was smart of the Blackhawks to give him that extra day of rest on Wednesday and to have Corey Crawford play. And it did pay off because he looked absolutely outstanding. He made 39 saves. Like I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, I thought that his uh, movement from post to post was really good. I thought his rebound control was solid. I like the confidence that Corey Crawford is playing with. And even when he gives up a couple of early goals, he's still locking back in. So you can tell mentally he's exactly where he needs to be. And just another reason why the Blackhawks play of late has been so it's been really inspiring and it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, my only concern with Crawford is in that first period, his rebound control was not great. But he did rein it in. He did get a lot better as the game went on. By the way, uh, our friends at Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, we talk to you about them all the time. Um, you may have noticed there's been a chicken sandwich 
in the news lately that, you know, there's a fast food joint that's got a really famous. It's always about food with you. Well, it is a restaurant. And you are the host of the I'm Fat podcast. That's true. New I'm Fat podcast was recorded earlier today, by the way. So uh, that should be out by Monday, I would think. Anyway, Chuck's has made their own version of the famous chicken sandwich, the Cajun buttermilk chicken sandwich. Get to Chuck's Burbank Darien. Try this chicken sandwich. They've got a picture of the side by side of the fast food joints Popeye's sandwich. I just said it. <laughs> the fast food joints sandwich. You were doing so good, I know. and then you just completely stopped. I said it. I saw the word and I said it. And their own chicken sandwich right next to it, it is towering over, I'll say it, the Popeye sandwich. So go to Chuck's, try the Cajun buttermilk chicken sandwich. You will love it. Uh, you want a professional handling these things, and Chuck is a professional when it comes to Cajun and Mexican and barbecue and whatever you want. Chuck's has it. So Chuck'sCafe.com, Burbank, Darien. Go check them out. All right. With Connor Murphy back, Adam Boquist has been sent down, and I think my feelings on this are well known. I wanted Boquist here the rest of the year. I wanted him learning under the NHL staff, learning from NHL teammates. But alas, the I guess on paper this was the obvious move to make because you don't risk losing an asset in Slater Cuckoo. You could val- you can argue whether or not he's an asset, but whatever. Um, and it was just a very simple idea for them to send Adam Boquist down. I'm disappointed. I get it. I know Boquist will be back. But I'm wondering, James, how you're feeling about uh, things since uh, Adam Boquist was sent down to Rockford to make room for Connor Murphy. If you guys had just uh, kicked Eric Gustus into the curb, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Y'all should have listened to me, clearly. I was the (laughs) prophet. I was the canary in the coal mine. I was whatever you want to call me. I said it, and it didn't happen. So now you had to make the tough numbers choice, and you had to send Boquist down. I, All kidding aside, clearly I'm gloating a little bit, but all kidding aside, I think that... As long as Boquist is getting opportunities both on the power play and shorthanded in Rockford, I think I can talk myself into this. I want him playing every day. I want him getting used to having to play both ends of the ice on special teams. I don't want him to turn into another Eric Gustafson who's essentially a one-trick pony and can only play in sheltered defensive zone or sheltered offensive zone instances and in power play instances and be effective. I want Adam Boquist to have a little bit more of a well-rounded game. And I think that if you start playing him in shorthanded situations in the AHL, I know it's not the same as NHL speed, but at least like the execution and at least the game planning is similar. The size of the guys is similar. I think that it's a good potential learning experience as long as they treat it that way. If they just have him playing like 16 minutes a game and only playing on the power play, I don't think they're doing him any favors by sending him down to Rockford. I get the idea of wanting to play him every single day, but I also think you need to put him into a wide variety of situations if you really want to continue his development at a level that's not the NHL level. Meh, that's fine, I guess. I I understand it. I just... Well, okay. I, I don't think there's the any question, question is who do you who do you send out then? Because you can't have you're not going to have him as your seventh defenseman. I know. You want Adam Boquist playing. Who's going to go out? Well, if it was me, the decision's easy. I got two candidates in Eric Gustafson or Brent Seabrook, but of course the coach can't do that because it's not that simple. I suppose with egos and salaries and all those things. But I get it. I get, like I said, I understand it. I just I just don't like it. I think Boquist is one of your six best defensemen. And because of that, he should play. But 
Allow just, me to reiterate, if they had just sent out Eric Gustafson when I told them to, this wouldn't have been a problem. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, that's in my uh, conversation with a with an unimpeachable source this week. Eric Gustafson's name came up, and I will be getting to that in the next segment. So why don't we take a, t- a timeout? Let's regroup a little bit, and we'll uh, tell when we come back after a quick timeout, uh, tell our friends about our friends at Marishka's, and then we will get into all the info I gathered this week for you the madhouse podcast listener i told you this podcast is my priority i wasn't lying i've been sitting on this for four days joe hard that is to do with an ass my size we'll be right back on it (laughs) exactly we'll be right back on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast introducing touch-free payments from paypal a safe way for your customers to pay simply download the paypal app and display your own unique qr code for your customers to scan whether you're a market seller i'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber Poodle pamperer, piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Hardee's invites you to creamy, zesty, fiery, hand-breaded bliss. Join us for hand-breaded chicken tenders dipped in new fiery sauce. Only at Hardee's. Feed your happy. Available for a limited time at participating Hardee's restaurants. Price and participation may vary. It is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. I'm Jay Zawoski. He's James Navo. They are Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Go there. Try the poor boy. Try James's favorite, the Yodel Burger. Try the twice-baked potato. Everything on the menu is phenomenal. You will love it. They're family-owned and operated since 1933, and it shows. The place is pristine. It has been cared for and loved for generations. The recipes are generations old. It will be one of the finer meals you ever have in your life. So go visit our friend Joe and his family at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, like I said. Facebook.com slash Marishka's or Marishka's.com, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit our friends at Marishka's. Okay, let's get to it. I've been using my radio tease mentality throughout the show, and I will finally get to it. Tuesday, I had an extended conversation with a source very close to the Chicago Blackhawks. And initially, my question was just something about strategy. I said, when Jeremy Cowton says X, does he mean this or this? My phone rang, and the source had a lot of things to tell me. Uh, I can't share all of it, but I can use it to inform my opinions going forward. I will tell you that after the San Jose game, before the Vancouver game, there was absolutely an ivory tower meeting of change or else given to Jeremy Colleton. There was a clear message sent that if things don't get better and if things don't improve, we will take it upon ourselves to do it ourselves. Okay, that message was made very clear to Jeremy Cowton. I'm not sure who the p- people in that meeting were, but if you've been a Blackhawks fan for a long time, you could probably connect some dots and figure it out. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. The Hawks played in San Jose Tuesday, November 5th. They flew back on Wednesday. No practice Wednesday. They had a game on Thursday. No morning skate. So the new system that they played on Thursday against Vancouver was implemented without a practice. It was put in in a meeting. Okay? 
so there was no on-ice implementation of this new system. Also remember, that was the game after which, on the radio post-game show, Dylan Strom said, we went back to last year's system and we were a lot more comfortable. That was a quote he said after Thursday's win over Vancouver. Okay, so the evidence is stacking up that something happened between Tuesday and Thursday that made Jeremy Cowan change the system despite no practice. It was the meeting I'm telling you about. Another factor. A lot of the Blackhawks veterans were very unhappy about a lack of communication from the head coach. Guys not knowing if they're in or out. Guys not knowing where they stand. Guys not knowing when they'd be playing and when they wouldn't be. And that was addressed as well. So there was, and this would probably make you feel good as a Hawks fan, that there was a bit of a pee slap here. And they brought the kid up, Cowlton, and said, look, man, this is not working. Fix it fast or else. And it was fixed. And since that time, the Hawks have taken seven of eight points. So make of it what you will. It's what I was told. But there it is. That's what happened between the San Jose and Vancouver game. There was a meeting, and there was an ultimatum given. So I hope that makes you feel good. I hope it makes you believe that the system's going to stay the way it's been. That's what informed my opinions in the first part of this show. This is the system. For better or worse, they're going to try to win the way they've been playing over the last five games. And I think, and I think, James, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you agree that with this roster, that's the best route to go. Why did it take somebody basically like pulling Jeremy Colleton in by the collar and saying, hey, stupid, change or go away? Well, I think the like pro- that, yeah. that's kind of mind boggling to me that that's what it took to get him to realize that, you know what? Your shit don't stink, bro. It's not good. But it Just does saying. Stink, they told him it does stink. Uh, you're sorry. I you screwed your that up. Poop analogy wrong. <laughs> you know what? Eliminated in the post uh, podcast <laughs> no. editing. Errors will live forever. But here, here's why it took a long time. Okay. First game in Philly, they lost. You know, then they lost to the Sharks, a bad game. They lost to the Jets in overtime. Then they beat the Oilers. They beat the uh, Blue Jackets. Played well against the Caps and lost. Played well against Vegas and lost. Then things started to sort of fall apart. Smoked by the Flyers, smoked by the Canes. Then they beat the Kings 5-1, so it felt like a bounce back. After that was the Nashville brutal loss, right? Then they come back and lose to L.A. They lose 4-3 in overtime, but were absolutely dominated for 60 minutes in that game. They beat the Ducks. Then the San Jose game happens. So you've got this stretch of games where the Hawks aren't just losing, they're getting dominated. And that San Jose game, that was the final straw. They got back from San Jose, and that meeting was called immediately. Welcome home. Let's talk. Yep. You know, and, and it was necessary, and it worked. Now, here's the question, and this is, I don't know the answer to this, and we won't know for a while. Once this happens to a coach, and the players know about it, right? They obviously know about it. They're probably part of the reason that the meeting happened in the first place. I'm sure some of the leadership on this team said we need something needs to change. Someone spoke out. Someone spoke up. Okay. Um, now can Colleton 
get back the faith of the team. Or now that he's been scolded in front of them, does he lose their respect from here on out? That's the question I ask, and that's what I don't know the answer to, and no one really knows yet, right? We were told early on last season that Patrick Kane was one of the first Hawks to buy in to Jeremy Cowton. He was one of the first guys to say, you know what, I like what this guy's doing. Let's trust him. Let's believe in him. And that's sort of when things started to turn around. Has he lost other guys in the locker room? That's the question. And maybe his willingness to admit a mistake or his willingness to listen to his players directly or indirectly, maybe that will win them back to him. Yeah. But they've looked like a different team. They've played like a different team. Remember, after that Vancouver game, not only was that where Dylan Strom said we went back to the old system, that was a game where Patrick Kane and Andrew Shaw were doing like a comedy routine in the locker room. Like Shaw was pretending to be Kane and Kane was pretending to be Shaw. And it was just like you could sense the relief mm-hmm. on the team. And that's not just from picking up a win. That's knowing that things going forward are going to change. And I think it was it was was very obvious that something I, I know for a fact that something happened, but you can we can pinpoint that date all season. You and I are going to point to Thursday, November 7th as some sort of turning point. Right. Yeah, I just I, I can't help but get the image out of my head of uh, Jeremy Colleton being plopped down in a chair and surrounded by henchmen. And then Stan Bowman spins around in his chair, petting a long haired white cat like he's some sort of James Bond villain. Like, I can't get that image out of my head of this meeting, the either change or die kind of meeting. I don't but, I don't know. <laughs> if that's I, what happened, well, no, you don't know I if don't Stan know. Bowman owns that kind of cat. Well, I don't know if Stan Bowman was involved. Okay. I cannot definitively Fine. say. You know what? Let my imagination run wild. Well, no, okay? but I mean, his personality is not that. Stan Bowman's personality is not to confront a coach and tell him, like, change or else. There are people in the organization who do have that personality. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of get who you're uh, hinting at, but I won't say it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know who you uh, Anyway, so aside from my uh, comic, uh, you know, understanding of how that meeting went down, I, I share your concern, I think, with one element of this, and that is uh, players seeming like potentially going over the head of the head coach to enact change. Like I do, I wonder if that is something that's going to kind of carry forward, whether it's on the part of Colleton or like you said, whether it's going to play out where the players just are never going to quite get back that respect for Colleton that you kind of need to have in order to be successful at the NHL level. I think that is an extremely fair question. And obviously the results of the meeting have been really good and the players are playing a lot uh, more loosely. They're playing a lot more effectively, but at the same time, the fact that it seems like somebody kind of, you know, pulled back the reins on Jeremy Colleton a little bit and said, hey, you need to change this or else, you know, some, you know, bigger changes are going to be in the offing. It's kind of interesting because, again, I don't know how that's going to play long term with the players on this team. Like, yeah, they're happy with it. But does that kind of diminish Colleton in their eyes? I think you hit that right on the head. I think that's something that we really are going to need to kind of keep an eye on moving forward, maybe parse some words from the players when they're kind of talking about the uh, situation, like especially as reporters start to get into that kind of like mid-season mentality where you kind of do the state of the team 
thing. It's definitely going to be interesting to see in the months to come just how the players are reacting to Colleton and how they're uh, talking about him both publicly and privately. Yeah, that'll be something to keep an eye on. And look, there is a scenario in which maybe this happens and he goes down and talks to the team and says, look, here's what my thinking was. I'm, you know, I understand that maybe you guys didn't love it and I'm willing to try something new and let's go back to what was working for us last year. And maybe the players respect that and say, all right, thank you for hearing us. Right. And maybe the players didn't look, think about anybody's job. You can sit around and you could bitch about your boss all day long. Right. And it doesn't mean you're going to go to your boss and tell him you're unhappy, Mm -hmm. but Someone who's between you and your boss could overhear it and, hey, you know, maybe, you know, some of the guys are talking. They're not super thrilled about, you know, policy X, Y, Z, right, or change X, Y, Z. And and then the, the boss finds out and says, OK, well, you know, and, and the, that then the change changes come. I think the willingness to not be like, no, it's my team. It's my way or the highway. They can suck it up. And I think there is, you know, as much as Colin's system was bad, like, I don't think guys need to be told when and when not they're playing i know like look if you're not playing well the coach has every right to bench you and i know there's mm-hmm. been a lot of stanley cups won and there's a lot of skins on the wall etc but he doesn't necessarily owe an explanation that said you also don't want to lose those guys because losing those guys who have won all the stanley cups that's that you can't come back from that once you lose those guys because you can't trade them you can't really move them out they're going to be here once you lose them, you lose everybody. So hopefully through all this, it was a good learning experience for everybody. Everybody grows and comes out better on the other side. And look, the results say, you know, seven of the last eight points. That's a good thing. There's no questioning that seven of eight is a good thing and it's very necessary. And uh, hopefully it continues. We'll see mm. this next, what, nine days or so is going to tell us a lot about the Blackhawks. They're going to tell us a lot about their state of play, their state of mind, whether this system's going to work long-term. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of good teams coming up. And look, the teams they've beaten, Vancouver, Toronto, Vegas, are good teams. And they've got some more coming up. So let's see. Now it's time. Now we find out what the Blackhawks are, right? This is is what it's going to look like, and, and we can see if they can hang. With these big boys, if they can, you know, was this just like a momentum ride of the system changing and will will it last? Can it last? That's the big question for me. You've given us a lot to chew on here, Mr. Zawaski, and you know what's good for uh, <laughs> reflection and kind of silent thought? Steak and whiskey. And you, where can we get that? I would suggest the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. They are our newest sponsor. You mentioned the whiskey. Got to tell you about their NHL Whiskey Flight, the Guy Lafleur Canadian Whiskey, Eddie Belfour's Pecan Wood Aged Whiskey, made in Texas by Eddie and his son, and the 99 brand. Who could 99 brand be? I wonder who that would be. Yes, it's Wayne Gretzky, his ice cask whiskey. So go to Barrel Club, try the NHL Flight. But like James said, try the chops, try the burgers, try the pierogies. The pierogies are incredible. Craft pierogies, is that a thing? Yes, they are at Barrel Club. <laughs> and then join their Barrel of the Month Club, barrelclubillinois.com. Go say hello to the Zawaskis who run the Barrel Club. They're good people. I know them quite well. I've known them Gee, my Yeah, I wonder life. how. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy how that works. So, Jay, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. 
It's kind of unrelated to what we've been talking about, but it will also kind of bring a little bit of uh, levity, perhaps, to the uh, proceedings. I saw the other day on Twitter, I believe, you were interacting with a uh, a fellow tweep, as they're called by the kids these days, and they compared Kirby Doc to Marcus Kruger, who's guaranteed <laughs> to take one hard hit a game, basically. It's like clockwork. And Jeremy Colleton just made a comment to Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times, who, by the way, I know we're like the presidents of the Scott Powers fan club because he's just like the ultimate like Blackhawks beat writer, and we love him. Ben Pope is seriously legit. He's got some great chops. I love talking to him on social media, and he got a good quote from uh, Jeremy Colleton about that tendency of Kirby Doc to take those hits. What is it? Uh, he needs to adjust to finding ways to protect himself, maybe getting rid of it a little e- earlier in some situations. One thing that you like is he's willing to take a hit to make a play. You just don't want it to happen all the time. Correct. So, <laughs> I mean, pretty obvious stuff there, but I love that they're asking him about it. Like, that is definitely something that, like, people have noticed about Kirby Doc is that that dude takes a lot of freaking hits. Yes. He... He holds on to the puck maybe a touch too long. It's something that he's probably going to learn at the NHL level. He could take those hits in junior because he's so freaking big. It probably didn't bother him. At the NHL level, though, you get blasted regularly like that. It's probably not going to be a good thing. And we've seen some great growth and progress in Kirby Doc's game, I think, while he's been with the Blackhawks. Played, I think, like 12 and a half minutes. Had a goal and an assist the other night against Vegas. I like what I've seen from him, but I also like that that's on Jeremy Colleton's radar, that he's taking a lot of abuse and that he's probably going to have to start getting rid of the puck a little bit quicker. Well, as Ryan Kessler once told us, no human can possibly withstand all these hits. <laughs> oh, God. And then oh, the Blackhawks beat them in one of the ever <laughs> from a guy who ultimately was vanquished by the Blackhawks. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I hope you learned some stuff. I hope you got some good information. It was very hard for me to sit on that and not write it and not share it with the world. But again, I did it for you, the Madhouse Podcast listener. James will tell you that I texted him and said, can we do a podcast Thursday? Please, 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 please. And we just couldn't make it work. So, um, yeah, there it is. There was a definite ivory tower, get your ass in gear meeting had by the Blackhawks brass and Jeremy Cowton. And since then, the results speak for themselves. Before we wrap up, got to tell you about our friends at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. 17 759 Brett's Drive. They're right behind the Home Depot on uh, right off Halstead there. Rabbitbrewing.com. Remember, Saturday at 4.30, they'll be broadcasting the Roller Derby Championships at Rabbit. It'll be a great time. Ray... The owner of Rabbit is a contestant in Roller Derby. Her Roller Derby name is your mom. That's it. That's all you need to know about Ray and Tobias who run Rabbit. Go there. Try the Hexed. Try the Dripping Teat. Try all the wonderful beers on tap at Rabbit Brewing. You'll be happy you did. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Got to thank our other sponsors as well. Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. The Barrel Club in Oaklawn, 4910 West 111th Street. BarrelClubIllinois.com. And Chuck's Cafe in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com and try the Cajun Buttermilk 
chicken, sandwich. Those are all words I like. Cajun, yes. Buttermilk, indeed. Chicken, uh uh-huh. Sandwich, yes. All good words together. For my partner, James Neveau, I'm Jay Zawoski. Have a great weekend. Hopefully the Hawks can take four points. We can continue having positive podcasts. Talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The best in internet and entertainment is here, and it's all powered by Xfinity for one unbelievable value. Introducing breakthrough Wi-Fi speed, now faster than a gig. That's enough to handle every device in the house and then some. And with X1, you get access to live TV and top streaming apps. Upgrade today with Xfinity. Check out our internet and TV offers. And now through March 15th, ask how to get a free upgrade to gig speed for a year. Now 20% faster. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Gig offer limited to standard plus more with two-year agreement and compatible X5 gateway. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. From earaches to strep tests, there's Minute Clinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Minute Clinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.